I'm back on the podcast this time, and I'm so excited. If you guys listened to Elisha's songs, or I should say, actually, if you haven't listened to Elisha's songs, go watch the... Don't watch it, man. We really should start this over. Go listen to the last episode. And Elisha did a podcast all by himself, all about his album that is coming out November 4th, right? But we're pre-launching before that. But today I'm here and we are going to be talking about aligning our visions. And this is something that is on the tip top of our brains because we just went through a lot of hashing out our vision and realigning our visions over this last week and really the last probably four days. So I'm really excited to bring you guys along for that journey and hopefully encourage you if you feel like your vision is not aligned with your spouse's vision. Hey, I'm Elisha Votberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in big families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with two young children and our third on the way, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast. And before we say anything else, I would love to say thank you all so much for the encouraging feedback that you gave me regarding my little children's album preview on last week's podcast uh, episode. That because I, I was—I mean, I told you in the episode I was pretty nervous to share that, share those songs. I haven't shared them with very many people, and so it was just really—it meant a lot to me that so many of you reached out to me via Instagram and told me how much you enjoyed it and what you enjoyed about the album. And so I'm really excited to release the whole thing. I really need it. I think that kicking that pants, the kicking the pants to, uh, to get me excited to release this, this album. Yeah. Elisha's a words of affirmation guy. So you guys really got some momentum behind him and he's excited to finish this project. And I definitely screenshot your messages when you send them to me and tell me how much you love the preview of the CD and I send them to Elisha. (laughs) Yes, I appreciated those as well. You're right. Okay, well, Katie and I just got back from Hawaii. How cool is that? Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. We were there. It was a pretty short trip. I think four days. It was, but it's long enough when you leave your kids. Yes, we brought Louie with us, but my family and some of Katie's family Uh, They were willing enough to watch Leon and Lucy while we were gone. And so it was, I think it was just the perfect little trip for us. Yeah, it was really, really good. And I felt like we covered a lot of ground on that trip. We used it to work on our marriage yeah a lot of it but i felt like sometimes at home when you're you have the same conversational style you have the same interruptions and i felt like we were only getting to like the same point in our conversation and then like we'd go to bed or the kids would interrupt or we'd move on with life so to have four days back to back where we were just hanging out with each other i felt like we were really able to make good inroads and get past some ruts that we'd kind of fallen into yeah it's crazy how we kept coming upon these 
similar and sometimes the same roadblocks, so to speak, in our conversations and in our problem solving when it came to our marriage or just our family and child training and different goals that we had and things that we were trying to accomplish. And it was getting pretty discouraging, really. I think by the time we left for our little trip, um, we, you know, Katie and I were in love. I, we love marriage. We are so excited to be on this journey of life together. But I think we were a little bit discouraged with what felt like the lack of ability to be able to grow past some almost petty little differences and not fully understand where each other were coming from on some issues. And um, and so it really reminded us again of, well, I mean, some practical things, the importance of taking extended amounts of time to be with your spouse and to really have those concentrated conversations where you can work through sometimes multiple hours of differences or, you know, you can spend multiple hours, I should say, of working through differences. And so you can really flush out some topics and start seeing it from the other person's perspective. And hopefully they can see it from your perspective and you can come to an alignment in your vision and understanding. Yeah. And it's just so important that you have the same vision because even if you're off in like one degree it can start to create that friction Mm -hmm. and like Elisha said we had a great marriage we do have a wonderful marriage I'm so grateful for it and it wasn't like this was affecting our entire marriage Mm -hmm. but we are feeling a rub and it was a consistent rub and we didn't want it to get any bigger or any more raw (laughs) yes that's a good way to put it you can definitely be get those rubs feeling raw after a while. And so we're talking about vision. We're talking about how to have an aligned vision and kind of some things we're working on. We've, as you just heard, we've recently worked through and uh, what we continue to hope, what we hope to continue working on and working through together as years come. And the first thing I kind of want to address is whether or not it's important to have an aligned vision or why should we want to have aligned visions um, or, or an aligned vision as a married couple. And I think uh, for me, one huge reason is because, you know, in business books, there's so many uh, people that talk about figuring out a win-win solution. You know, of the best businesses are win-win. It's a win for the consumer and it's a win for the service provider. Or, you know, it's a win for the employees and it's a win for the boss. And win-win situations are always the best. They're just the best. I love win-win situations. And Mm -hmm. clearly we want that in marriage. We want a win-win situation. And, you know, we've talked about roles. We've talked about what God says, what we believe God says regarding marriage. And ultimately, we, I think God intended for marriage to be a win-win for this, for husband and wives to become one. He made us one. And I think it can really be a win-win. And that's something that you can feel and experience when you do have an aligned vision. And as Katie already mentioned, we were maybe for the last three or four weeks, I don't really know what the timeline was, we were starting to really kind of feel that her thing and his thing in marriage. And even though we had obviously common ground in how we wanted to raise our children and what we wanted them to value, and we wanted to have a great, you know, I guess intimate marriage, 
when it came to like how we were spending our personal time and maybe what we were saving money for and maybe what we were creating for, they weren't really aligned. And after a few weeks of that, we felt like a, a two-headed snake. And I don't think that's an optimal, optimal way to go about a married life. Well, I just am picturing like aerodynamics here. Like when you have an aligned vision and one person's like behind the other person and they're drafting off them or whatever, you can go so much faster and so much further and it just feels so much better yes. than if you're side by side just like it's twice the air. You're right. Nobody's the breaking friction. the wind. Yes. Like you just go twice as slow and there's more, yeah, just like drag and weight. And I think of that in a marriage. Elisha and I want, we say vision because our goal is to have both our dreams and our aspirations and who we are as people align into one vision. Hmm. It's not like this is my vision. This is his vision. We want those to be only one. Yes. And we want it to be submitted to God's design for us, God's desire for our Absolutely. lives. Absolutely. Yeah. We want it to be under that headship, but it's a combination basically of my dreams and goals and his dreams and goals. I love the illustration you used, Katie, as like runners or bike riders using each other to draft off of them. And when there's that straight line, you move so much more efficiently. And I think that's kind of one of these bizarre miracles of marriage is that when, you know, two people become one, they don't, it's not, you're, it's not like your efforts are doubled. You would think that one plus one, you come up with two. And so you've got doubled efforts. It's like they're the quant, you can't quantify what the what the multiplication is you know when two become one you're not using human mathematics anymore you're using what god designed to be i guess his mathematics and uh, and so the result is it's really hard to quantify and it's hard to kind of wrap our minds around and i love that marriage and i love again that i do think that there's a necessity to have an aligned vision or to at least strive for an aligned vision because we are one whether or not we feel like we're one. And I think that, you know, again, is it Matthew? I think it's Matthew twelve twenty five that says a house divided cannot stand. And I think about that. So we are our home. You and I are our home. And if we're divided on any level, I really want to start addressing those areas and try to find unifi- uh, unity, unification. Unification. <laughs> yeah, I want to try to find unification in every area possible. Well, I think of this, I run into quite a few couples who think they have an aligned vision and it's because they agree on each other's visions. And that's not what Elisha and I are talking about here. I just want to like clarify that, I guess. Hmm. It's not like, oh yeah, I agree he should do that with his life and he agrees I should do this with my life. That's not having an aligned vision. Yeah. And marriages work. There's great marriages, I think, probably good marriages that have that, um, but we want a really great marriage. So something I want to bring up, do you think I could bring this up now? I think this is a great time. <laughs> okay. Is how, okay, when Elisha said, come up with, you know, your points that you want to make in this podcast, the first thing that came to my mind is as a woman, and I'm speaking directly to wives here, is we need to submit our visions to God. Now, our husbands also need to submit their visions to God. But as a wife, the way that practically looks is submitting our visions to our husband. And, you know, I, I'd probably get kicked out of church for saying that. <laughs> but I think it's so important. And I'm going to go further to say that if our vision is not what our husband wants, and he's a 
you know, a, a God honoring man, it's not what God wants. And the reason why I'm making that claim is because of this verse here in first Corinthians. And this is not a real popular verse, but it's such a powerful verse. And God said it for a reason. And first Corinthians eleven nine reads, neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. We were created for our husbands. And if you guys haven't listened to our submission podcast and this is rubbing you wrong, I really suggest you go listen to our submission podcast because we take a deep dive further into what that actually means and talk about what submission isn't and like the mandate that God gave our husbands and the responsibility they have and all those things. But that's not what this podcast is about. So we aren't going to go any deeper into this, Um, but that's episode 29 if you guys want to check it out. But I just think... I don't want to be fighting uphill. Like I don't want to be slamming into a closed door. And I know if you're a driver or you're a really hard worker, I run into this. Everyone online says just keep driving harder and working harder. And sometimes that's true, like in business and stuff. But sometimes you're just slamming your head against a closed door. And <laughs> Like I want to work. I want to be in the center of God's will, hmm. I guess. And I want my efforts to be magnified like the five loaves and the two fishes. I don't want to just get out of life what I can and go after my vision because I'm so confident that that's what God has for me. If it's not all working or if my husband, in this case, Elisha, you know, to make it very clear, was having some issues with how I was (laughs) living out what I thought was my vision for life, then that's not where I want to be. That's tough. You know, I think that's so difficult for this day and age to hear that, one, men, you have to submit your vision to God. I mean, I, I think that with myself right now, every I mean, I think about how often I'm just convinced that what my vision is and what my ideals are, um, I'm convinced that they're from the Lord. And I just know that they are. And what's crazy is that if I know that they're from the Lord, then I would have a pretty open hand with them. Because if they are of the Lord, then I can pursue him, I can seek him, I can obey him in loving my wife, you know, loving my wife as Christ loved the church, cherishing my wife, and I'm not going to be at odds with my wife, and she's not going to feel uncherished in me pursuing these dreams and and aspirations if they're of the Lord. Because that's That's a direct mandate to a husband is to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, and he he calls us to cherish our wives. And so... If we, if our wives are telling us that we're not feeling cherished, we're not feeling like, you know, we're loving them like Christ loved the church because as a result of you, you know, pursuing your dreams or, you know, racing after your aspirations and chasing your vision, then your vision might not be what God has for you. It might be very personal. It might be very selfish and not God honoring. That's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. And yeah, so like basically four days ago, I'll just kind of tell them what happened All right. a little bit. Um, I have really big dreams or like thoughts around now that I'm a mother. And I think the reason why is because I hear all your feedback so consistently telling me that you're encouraged either by hearing my mom's Q&As or hearing, you know, this podcast election I do or just by content I write on Instagram or whatever. And every time I get one of those messages, I get so inspired, so fueled. And really I was putting, I had gotten what we call our giant five all out of order. 
And I was focused on ministry and putting that ahead of first, I'm a wife. And second, I actually am a mother. (laughs) And I was getting those things all out of line. And I didn't realize that until Elisha brought that to my attention. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's It just sounds so lame, you know, when you say I brought it to your attention. Oh, well, it wasn't like a sit down. Basically, he was not feeling. How were you feeling? Yeah, I definitely feel I I definitely felt like you were pursuing your thing and I was trying to figure out what the heck I was supposed to pursue. And I think that's why you felt very uh, validated in pursuing what you were pursuing so wholeheartedly is because I've and, and again, this is a this is a totally two sided thing here. I've spent the last couple of months really trying to get my feet under me in this new job. And a lot of that's resulted in me being kind of lethargic when I'm around the house and not having a ton of energy and not Mm -hmm. definitely not being what I would consider the best version of myself. And Katie can probably attest to that. Yeah, you've had a lot going on. And so instead of Katie and I, or I should say, instead of me coming home with uh, ideas and really leading our family on what we're, how we're going to spend our time and how Katie and I, and how I want to work with Katie on different projects, I'm kind of apathetic towards or I have been you know previously up up until this point I've been apathetic regarding now that we're a family regarding even our family well not our family but regarding family activities and what we're going to do and Katie just really kicked into go mode she said okay Elisha doesn't and I'm again I don't want to put words in your mouth no but (laughs) you you won't I think you understand really well what happened and that is when I sense when we get kind of in a stressful spot and we don't know what to do Elisha's thought of when he doesn't know what to do is put the brakes on and kind of figure out what he's going to do. Yeah, I like to evaluate, I guess. <laughs> Which this. makes a and, lot and of And a sense. lot of times it, it can go on too long and it probably can, you know, it border borderlines apathy or borderlines laziness where I'm just trying to figure out what the next best, you know, plan of action is. And on the flip side, I that kicks me into like, okay, if we don't know what we're doing, then we're just going to start doing a ton of random stuff and see what sticks. So I just start like throwing noodles at the wall as fast as I can. And Elisha's like, holy cows, calm down. That's so <laughs> true to how... that word picture. I feel it's so accurate. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> funny just the difference in our personalities. Because this isn't the first time this has happened in, in our marriage. Oh, no. And that's the cool thing is that patterns do repeat themselves. And so I feel like... In each instance, these are our opposites. Opposites do attract, and we're getting better at figuring out that quirk of Hmm. ours and seeing how it can work for us instead of working against it. I think patterns in marriage are awesome because every time they come around, you can get better. But if you aren't working on the problems as they come around, it just gets worse every time. I think so. Yeah, exactly. That's when you grow in bitterness and build resentment towards one another. Yeah. And I'm going to read this verse too, because it's one that I have to go back and read consistently along with that one from 1 Corinthians. And this one's in Genesis. It's Genesis 2.18. And it says, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And our husbands, this verse is saying that our husbands lack certain things without us. And I think so many men have wives, but still are alone. Hmm. And just because you're a wife doesn't mean you're help me. Just because a man's married doesn't mean he's not alone. I think it's easy to pick apart our husbands or like maybe see their failures. And when I start to do that with Elisha, I realize most often he's probably walking alone. 
I'm not being his helper. I'm doing my own thing and then expecting him to keep up his end of the deal of cherishing me, providing for me, loving me, giving me security, providing well, being faithful. I have this long list of things that it's like, oh, yeah, I really I really want you to do this to me. But he's walking alone in that because I'm so busy over here working out my own vision. Wow, that's crazy. And not, again, to like beat you up, but that's pretty close to how I felt over the last week or so. I kind of hit that climax. And it's not because you were living in outright sin, obviously. If anything, from the outside, you were definitely being the proactive um, one that was making stuff happen. I think you on the outside definitely looked like you were in the right. Because there was nothing very inspiring about my life. I was spinning my wheels trying to figure out what the heck I was supposed to do with myself and with my life. And as a result, it, it led to me being just kind of at a stalemate, you know, in, in appearances. Well, I think, like you said, on the outside, certain reactions are more approved of, I think, but they both had the same root cause. So, for instance, both of our root cause was not knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the more Martha personality type or the person who just does stuff will get praised for just doing stuff when really that's their coping mechanism in case this is my coping mechanism. And it is probably more, (laughs) it's probably worse, honestly. And what's interesting, just kind of using this illustration, once again, Katie, this example of what we just experienced, it's really remarkable how paralyzing it was for me when you you were taking so much action. And I I mean, I was just, because you were doing, you were the doer. And I felt like I was so behind. And so I'd wake up every day feeling like, man, I got to catch up to my wife here on all these things that she's doing on her visions. And I didn't know where I could jump in and how I could be of help or where I could contribute. And that's a really bad feeling at, at, you know, as a man. Again, I'm going to use this quote that our friend uses that uh, men are like semi-trucks. They drive better with a heavy load. And all of a sudden, I wasn't feeling that load. I was seeing Katie take on the heavy load of doing and creating and making stuff happen. And I was thinking, man, I don't know where to jump in. I don't know how to be the trailer that she's dragging along here. <laughs> and and ultimately, I don't want a trailer, right? But like my, I was explaining this to my dad. Elisha and I were talking to my parents kind of about our thoughts this weekend. And I was like, I feel like I'm like a hamster on a wheel and I'm just running as fast as I can. And it's gonna be really hard for Elisha to like jump on the wheel. Like it's more (laughs) paralyzing when you see this circle going faster and faster and faster for a guy that's maybe more laid back, takes a longer time to you know, decide what he's going to do, it just becomes more and more daunting. And I think that's why a lot of women are taking the lead. We talk again about this in our submission podcast, but we're just taking the lead in our marriages and in our families and even in the roles of provision or things like that, when ultimately that's not what we want. And I know that naturally that's kind of what starts to happen with me. And then I feel really unsatisfied. Hmm. And this is definitely not you know, when I consider your actions and kind of the mode that we are in, this doesn't let me off the hook. The fact fact is, is that I was being apathetic in a lot of ways. I was not leading myself. And it's not like this lets the man off the hook from leading. In fact, I think it really should ignite and man the importance, you know, even more of, of stepping up, so to speak, and really taking on that role and walking in that role as the leader. And I, I really feel like we, we are in a good spot now. Mm-hmm. Katie, and it's remarkable how empowering 
it is to me when you just slowed down. And on the surface, it's crazy because it was even hard for me to accept at first some of the things that you you kind of dropped for the sake of kind of getting more aligned with me and supporting me and saying, okay, let me let me help you. I want to get behind you and get let's get a vision that's the same that we can work towards together. Well, when I think of that verse created to be as help me, it's only helpful if the other person says it's helpful. And honestly, when I see Elisha not thriving, I think, oh, this will help. Like I thought, oh, I will get my, you know, I have this, you know, plan for now that we're a family. I have this like business plan and I have this like ministry plan. And so I start acting it out and I go like, oh, this will be great. I'm like doing this for both of us. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, hey, Katie, I, it would mean so much to me if I came home and there were three meals a day and like our house wasn't a war zone when I come home. And he had these things that to him were more helpful than what I thought was so grand and helpful. Hmm. And so for me, it was humbling to take a step back and go, I didn't even consult him on what would be helpful in getting us out of this situation because ultimately we both wanted to be out of the situation. Yep. But our vision was really unbalanced. Mm. Probably more than anything, it was unbalanced because you weren't sure what your vision was. It wasn't yes. like you had a vision, I had a vision, and they were opposing. It was more like I had this crystal clear vision that I thought we both wanted to pursue. I kind of decided for both of us, and you weren't really sure. Yeah, I was on the fence, be- I think, because I wasn't opposed to it. I think if it was something that I felt strongly against... I would have just said it. I think it would, and you would have totally respected that. And would have been like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. This is not what I'm going to do. But instead, I was unsure. And so I was just kind of a spectator. And that just was not a good, it didn't put us in a good spot. And on a practical note, I didn't necessarily slow down. I just turned my energy into something else because I do like to put a lot of energy into things. And so when I heard that Elisha was. N- you know, I was really tearing down our marriage ultimately and driving and leading our family. I heard what he wanted help with. And I just am honestly like really stoked about yeah. <laughs> making the home that he wants that's what's, for our family. I think that's truly what, what is fun is that you, I do think that when you've got an aligned vision, it's the most fun. It is. And it's the most energizing. And there's this synergy that really just is, it's hard to capture when you're on your own pursuing your own thing. And that's what's crazy is that when you're looking for that synergy, you're looking for that, that energy, but, um, the harder you push on your own, it's like you're getting further away from it sometimes. Yeah. And something I did want to touch on too, is that often you aren't as unaligned as you feel. Mm. At least that is the way with Elisha and I. Our first conversation, I came away, and I don't know how you felt, but thinking we were just way on different pages. And I needed to make a massive shift in what I was pursuing. But as we talked more, as we communicated more through things, I realized like, oh, we actually are not that far off track at all. Mm. Yeah, that is cool. And that's something that I think that, should be really encouraging to us and to anybody that does not feel aligned in their vision is that you can start with one small thing. It's crazy how it, it can seem like this daunting task to try to find, you know, unity in your marriage and in your vision, but you can, I'm sure you can find one thing 
that you're truly unified in, a one direction or one topic, and pour into that, really lean into that topic, whether it's how you want to raise your children, or it's something you want to save money for, or it's a ministry you both really want to support, or it's, you know, in this case, a ministry you really want to uh, take part in and take action in. And, and so I think that if you find that one thing, it's crazy how from that can spring really a lifestyle that's unified and a whole life that feels like you're on the same page. The second thing that came to mind, aside from submitting our visions to God, is praying. And prayer is so powerful. And it's so practical, too. It I is. love that. It is. It's both those things. And there are two things that I pray when I feel at odds with Elisha. And the first thing I always pray to get it out of the way is I pray that God will change Elisha's heart. <laughs> nice. <laughs> because initially, I always feel right. And so... I want, and oftentimes you are. I no, know we just that's use. Well, no, true. it is true. I know we just. I wanted to clarify. We use that example of where you were saying you felt like you were off, but more times than not, I feel like I'm off. Oh well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I and so it's so that. it's a good thing. Don't stop praying for that. God to change my heart no. when I'm not right. Oh. No, uh, more often than not, He showed me I'm the problem, or at least He shows you what your problem is because. There can't be, it takes two to tango. So it's always, um, if someone's just doesn't have any problem at all, then the other person won't have a problem with them. But so the first thing I do is I pray God will change Elisha's heart because there's a verse in the Bible. I love how I start this off with no way to tell you guys how to find it, but Google it. And it says that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord and he turns it whithersoever he will. Do you know where that is? I don't. But it's a good verse because the Lord can totally change our husband's hearts in miraculous ways if we really feel strongly about something. And it honestly is God's will. But the second thing I pray is that if I'm in the wrong, that the Lord will change my heart. Or if I have, you know, the wrong perspective, that the Lord will change my heart. And if I'm not able to pray that second thing, that God will change my heart, I need to really be on the lookout for pride because God says he's going to humble us. If we can't even admit in prayer that we might be way off base and what we think is right isn't right, we need to watch out because in James 4, 6, it says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I think the only thing that's probably worse when you really, really want something than your husband resisting you is God resisting wow, you. Wow, Katie, <laughs> that is so convicting to think about the times that I've not even been willing to pray, Lord, please change my heart on this because of how certain I was, I, I was in the right. And when you consider that in, in context of that verse, I think it's in James, that God mm -hmm. resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, then that's really a sobering thought. And I mean, the fact is, is I just know as a human, I just know I'm wrong on things. I know I don't view things or act on things in a perfect manner. I would be a fool to think so. You know, it says in, I think, First John, if anyone says he is without sin, he is a liar. And I think that that with myself, I'm like, man, when it's like we get to qualify when we can say when we're with sin or when we're without sin. It's like, man, I, I always want to be able to go to the Lord and say, Lord, you have my heart on this. I want you to have my heart on this issue. Please mold it and change it in what, whatever way you see fit. Even if you're a thousand percent confident that it's of the Lord, 
I never wanted to become that idol that says, no, he told me, you know, cause that's the thing is that sure. That might be something that he put on your heart, you know, one time three years ago or tw- five years ago, but God can change what he put on your heart too. You know, he can, he point. can choose to change where he wants you to go. That's a good point. And I do feel like you're, you're always willing to talk about things and, I think, try to reach a common ground. I never feel like you're like, no, this is like 100%, you know, what we're doing. And I appreciate that. But this week, God did part two and of that prayer. And he really worked on changing my heart because the next day after this conversation, and we're sharing this example because, I mean, Elisha's like, you know, he doesn't want to paint me in a bad light. So I hear him being like, okay, I do this too. But in this specific circumstance, my vision was more out of line. Don't you think? It was kind of throwing us off whack. I do think so. Yes. Okay. So this week I got on a plane and I told you guys this, I think in the Five Point Friday email, but I'm reading this book by Zig Ziglar and it's called Courtship After Marriage, Romance Can Last Romance Can Last a Lifetime. Such a good title just right there. And if you guys know Zig Ziglar, he's a big, like, power of positivity guy. He's also an incredible Christian. And I will link the book in the show notes. I really want to do a whole podcast on this book. But that'll be coming later. For now, read the book on your, by yourself. But it's just so, so good. And he just totally convicted me where I needed to be convicted. Like, I was crying every single page through, you know, on the airplane. I don't know if Elisha noticed or not. He was holding Louie and he probably didn't want to deal with it anyways. (laughs) But I was literally, at first I was crying because I felt so justified in my, in, you know, my side of our issue. And I was just like, Elisha needs to read this book. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys relate to that ever? Like reading a marriage book and being like, my husband needs to read this and everything will be fine. But the Lord really started to work on my heart as I continued to read. And soon I started just feeling so guilty and so the Lord was seriously just speaking to me out of this book and showing me so many things that Elisha needs from me that I was not giving him because I decided Elisha needed something different and he needed me to be different. And it was so awesome to read from this guy who adores his wife. And Zig was just saying all these things that he loved about his wife, the redhead. That's what he calls her. And I was just going, I want my husband, when we've been married for 60 years, to be saying these things. I'm like crying on my word. I want him to be saying these things about me. And I just want ultimately, like if I'm going through life... I want my husband to adore me and I want Elisha to just be like, I don't know how I made it through life without Katie. I don't want him to be thinking, I don't, I don't care if I like achieve, you know, some great thing on the side or whatever. I ultimately am the happiest when my husband's in love with me. And yeah. Oh, Katie, you're the best. No. You are. You're so sweet. And that's just so, I don't know. It's so inspiring to me because I am the happiest and most fulfilled when I when I do see you being cherished and when I when I cherish you, you know, and when I do feel like the Lord's allowing me to love you and he's empowering me to love you as he loved loves the church. 
And that is such an abundant life. And it's such a fun thing to be in. And it's such a great way. I mean, just, just being with you and living life is so full. It's such an abundant life. And having our hearts and our minds and our, our wills submitted to mm-hmm. God's purpose and his plan and being able to go to his word and let it change us, change us and, and, and shape us, and, mm-hmm. you know, submitting our hearts to his word. It's such a great place to be. And I love that. That's, you know, I think this can be, it can be such a sweet thing. You know, we talk about, mm-hmm. it's so crazy how we were using this example of kind of a, a bummer situation in our marriage and it kind of a bad, you know, more negative thing came to a head and it was a bummer time in our marriage. But in reality, this pursuing unity should be something that really excites us. And mm-hmm. I think that it does excite me right now. And the the idea, I mean, if you've got that dream that you're holding on to so tightly and your spouse and you just feel like, man, my spouse is not aligned with this. Just think about how, I mean, you probably can't, I don't think I could when you're holding on to something so tightly, but just know that when you let go of that and you say, you know what, this might not be of the Lord. This might not be what he wants from me because my spouse doesn't seem to think so. They're mm-hmm. not on board with this. I don't feel their support. Once you find that thing that your spouse will be aligned with and and it's aligned with their vision and you feel like you're going, you know, not just double time, you're going like 10x, you know, in your marriage because you're drafting off of each other, as Katie said, that's a really sweet place to be. And there's it's a really sad thing when I hear spouses say, well, you know, he got to pursue his dreams for a while and now it's time for me to pursue my dreams and for a while. And you will hear that a lot. I hear it almost every day. Yes. And it's like, whoa, it's his and hers. You can't have the same dreams that you're pursuing your entire life together. It's like you have to categorize your life by like 10 year chunks where he goes for his dream for 10 years. Then she goes for her dreams for 10 years. It's like, man, I want our dreams to what the Lord's put on our heart and the vision that he's given us as he's, you know, always shaping it and changing it. I want that to be our lifelong journey together mm-hmm. and um and, and a fun way to do that is just to keep dreaming with one another i think back katie do you remember i think it was our first or second date it was our first date at mckay cottage um okay. when we were on that breakfast date and i said you know where would you like to be in five years and you asked me the same question you know you asked each other questions yeah, like that that when definitely you're made me nervous because i said <laughs> when he asked me okay this is a side note but when he asked me where do you want to be in five years? I was like, well, I don't know if I'll be married or not. I think I was 21 or we were 20 when I was dating. And I was like, I don't know if I'll be married or not, but you know, here's either option. And then when I asked him the same question, he goes, well, I'm not going to be single in five years. So (laughs) (laughs) this is where I see myself. And I was like, dang it. I have five years to get him to propose. Well, I knew I wanted to be married to you. Uh, (laughs) But I think about how sometimes we'll stop asking each other those questions once we're married and once we have Mm -hmm. children and once we're busy with life, it's like you just kind of assume the other person's dreams. You know, it's like, well, I assume their dream is to, yes. you know, get through this child training season or I assume their dream is just to get out of debt or I assume their dream is to not be so financially stressed. Or assume that their dream is what it's been three years ago. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know my dreams change, your dreams change. And it's what what's cool is that I think I've been the most inspired in my life by hearing your dreams and what the Lord's put on your heart. And so I love asking you that question. You know, what are you dreaming about? What sounds fun five years from now or 10 years from now. And when you share it with me transparently, it inspires me. And it's so fun 
when you're when you share your dreams with your spouse and you give them the opportunity to really get behind you and say no I want to that sounds awesome I want to do that too because they think differently than you and so you opened my mind to so many different things and hopefully I'm able to do the same yeah to you definitely I was gonna say I feel the same way because when I hear you bring up a new topic or maybe a dream that's become more defined in your mind then it's so exciting to jump on board and think, oh, what if, what Mm -hmm. if, what if, how do I fit into this picture? And I know we've used this word picture of, you know, drafting off each other or, you know, the bike riders kind of a lot just kind of happened. But I do want to just solidify that ultimately our husbands are the ones we're drafting off of. And they're the ones that are forging ahead. They're the ones taking the brunt of what's coming at our family and we are I don't know if what the backbiker does but I know in a marriage we are giving energy and our unique talents and abilities and having those fit in his dream in mm. in his vision and I know that I am such an adaptable creative person and I think all of us are and I think we don't give ourselves enough credit for that we are 100% capable of living out our God-given abilities and dreams and goals and, you know, unique talents while aligning them as women within our husband's vision. We hmm. just have to be creative in how that looks. And that's where you're a huge, I mean, that's an area, one area that you're so inspirational to me, Katie, because Katie if any of you know her personally, she's had aspirations to be a businesswoman really for a long time. I mean, you grew up with an entrepreneurial father who's, you know, and you've been around a lot of very successful business people and you've got such a great instinct for business. I think early on you talked about when you were going to college in your brain, that looked a very specific way mm-hmm. and it's not what it looks like now, is it? No, it's it, like 10 million times better. But it, I think that specific way that you had looking in your brain saying, okay, I want to be successful in business didn't really include a family. It didn't include probably maybe if you were a wife, you definitely, you know, weren't the awesome wife that you are now. <laughs> <laughs> you well, I think of it this way because I get the same kind of kickback when people say, oh, I can't do this. I can't live out this God-given ability till like my kids are grown and out of the house. And I'm just like, okay. Take that, take those God-given gifts that God gave you or take that feeling that you want, like take being a lawyer. Okay, I can't have that career while I have all these, you know, little kids at home. I like to break that down and say, okay, why do I want to be this way? Do I have a heart for people and changing people's lives and helping people who have been wronged unjustly? Mm -hmm. How do I want to change society? And then take that and don't be a lawyer, volunteer somewhere. Or, you know, I'm not going to, you know, give you all the ideas, but that's what I'm saying by be creative. How can we do that? Start a nonprofit. You know, there's so many things you can do at home as your mother. Or maybe if it's like, I honestly just like love working my brain. I, you know, want to be really sharp. I love being in front of people. I'm like kind of a front stage person. I like stress or this environment then you can create that for yourself at home. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, that's kind of what YouTube is for me. Mm -hmm. I'm not a person who really loves being behind the scenes necessarily and like not sharing what I'm doing. I like to feel validated and valued. And so 
I like like achievement and accolades and stuff like that. And sometimes it's hard to measure when you're at home by yourself with just your kiddos and like they aren't giving you a star in your chart. And I think like I was created to have stars on my chart. Like that just really motivates me. So that's kind of like what YouTube became, I guess. And it's grown past that. But that was a motivation. So I just want to say like if your dreams, if you're thinking right now, like there's no way my husband's going to ever like get on board my dream or there's no way I can get on board my husband's dream because of X, Y, and Z. I bet you, you can. We just have to break it down and get creative on how that looks. I know it's the same thing for me. You know, music's an area that I had this dream of being a professional musician and maybe even being a rock star, being, you know, (laughs) a famous, a famous musician. And it was this dream that I thought was just even of the Lord. I think, man, I've wanted this forever. Of course, it's probably from the Lord. How, you know, who else? Wants me to be a rock star. Yeah, who would want to be a rock star without it being of the Lord? (laughs) No, but then, and so I thought, well, I'm going to give up on that dream because it's not conducive to family life because clearly I want to, you know, love my wife and I want to love my children. But you think about it, that was such a arbitrary worldly standard to set as an all or nothing. And really, if I want to play music, if I want to use my music to honor the Lord, if I want to use my music to maybe inspire people or edify people, I do not have to be a professional full-time musician to do that. And that's really kind of what inspired me to even make this children's album mm-hmm. is that I'm I'm far from being a professional full-time musician, but I still am capable of creating music and making creating music projects and I'm doing it while in the context of loving my wife and providing for my family mm-hmm. um, because I think there was a part of me that thought man in order to chase this dream maybe I should chase this dream I've got to be you know my wife my wife and children are going to go hungry but I'm going to be the starving musician until I make it big that's the only way to do it but that's like the way the world says is the only way to do it mm-hmm. and I like I love that you said just get creative you know don't think within those boundaries of what the world says are the standards for fulfilling different dreams and aspirations. We hope you guys are just inspired to continue working towards a united vision. And if you already have a really united vision to rejoice in that. Yeah. And keep feeding it. Keep feeding it. Cause like, I, I mean, like we just shared this whole episode about, we usually have a very united vision, but we found ourselves not that united there for a season. And it wasn't very fun. So you got to keep feeding that. Yes. Keep building it. And it is so worth, if you are one degree off, we were about one degree off. This was not massive. Like, there was not tons of water under the bridge. But if we kept going at this rate, we would have ended up in two different places where it would be really, really hard for both of us to give up our stances. Yes. I think that's a good way to put it. All right, folks. Well, as always, thank you for listening. We love hearing from any and all of you that are able to reach out on on instagram and share our episode if you if you enjoyed it share it and tag us in it we love seeing that it's always so encouraging and if you're able to leave a rating or a review on our podcast we love seeing those too and hearing from you love 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 it all right well we'll talk to you next week bye-bye